Welcome to another episode of Chris Reads Book, Volume 3, Episode 8, Chapter 7, Stroll. That's what he said, Itippi confirmed. Very well, here's a harut for your troubles. Run back and tell them I'm on my way. Obliged, Itippi replied, tipping their hat. Without a second glance, they ran off to the minnow's respite. Winkett gathered his shoreman's coat and a pocketbook before heading off. The minnow was close enough by that by the time he saddled the horse, he could be most of the way there by foot. Watch the warehouse. I'm off to the minnow, Winkett called to Sampton, his senior-most worker. The man nodded and kept working. As he was turning to leave, Wink had heard, Father! Looking up the street, he saw Hendrick pushing a wheelbarrow, a Kome, and Molokai walking down on either side of him. There was a fancy carriage that passed us by on the way, the boy added. Is good thing it missed us. Man inside did not look happy, Molokai offered. You're heading off, Molokai? Yes. More ports to get to before going back Kinikiana. I'm heading to the Minnow's Respite to meet with a member of the Council of Koplo, apparently the Hand himself. What does that mean? Hendrik asked as Molokai said, Best to be going. Have never cared for Koplo religious leaders. Fair winds, Molokai, my friend. Winket clasped his arm, sharing a hug. Akome handed over her bundle, sharing a hug as well. You will keep safe and keep teaching the boy about our people? Molokai asked her. Of course I will, Umi. I could do no less. And you take care of yourself too, young man. To be able to sail on my ship and see the sun coast one day, you must be strong and healthy. So stay that way, huh? I will, Umi. After finding one of Winkett's workers to take over wheelbarrow duty, Molokai headed off toward his ship. To answer your question, Hendrik, the Hand is second in power in the Council of Koplo, only to the voice servant. He's a powerful person whose voice is extremely well respected. What he says and does reflects directly on the will of the voice servant. Not often do people have the chance to see him as close up as your father is about to. Would you two like to come along? We might as well, since we're down here, Akome said, hooking her husband's arm. Then we must go. Wouldn't want to keep the hand waiting very long. It was nice to see Umi, Hendrik said as they walked toward the minnow. I miss him. I do as well, Tamiku, Akome said. She pulled Hendrik into a hug. As they walked, Winkett pointed out the various ships in the harbor he traded with. There were the fabric traders from the west, lumber traders from the east, the anglers, crabbers, and ore traders from near and far. There were even some ships carrying produce from the warmer areas of the continent. That mast there, Wink had said, pointing, that's the harmony. And that one, he added, pointing to another, is the speedy devil. That one there, with the lanterns hanging all around it? That one is Kime's eyes and trades exclusively in sunstones from Kinikiana. 
Quite the expensive cargo, those. Are all the captains sunborn? Hendrick asked. He gazed across the ships, seeing their sleek lines, their towering masts, and for many of them, their amazing decorative coloration. Not all, no. I would say about five in ten are sunborn. Another three in ten are probably freelanders. The rest are Amoric. So most of the boats aren't from Amorokovsky, Hendrik asserted. The Amorik were never very good at sailing, Akome replied. It was we Talavikini who found them. They're very good on land, not nearly as much on the water. It is still something working its way into Amorokovsky culture, to be sure, Winkett said. Carts passed them by, gulls called, and there was the odd sound of loose canvas flapping on a nearby ship. An Amorik ship. The saying used to be that if Koplo, in her wisdom, had intended for us to be water-loving, that we would have gills. One would never know if you did or not under that beard, love, Akome said. She gently stroked her husband's chest-length braided facial hair. Not that I'd mind. But how did Amorkovsky get by without trade? Hendrik asked. The Freelanders did trade with them some. Though, for the most part, Amorokovsky has always been self-sufficient. Do you remember your maps? Hendrick's lips thinned as he admitted, I should really study them more. It happens. We do make a lot of demands on your time. But be sure to learn them, son. They will serve you well one day. Winkett tousled his son's hair lovingly. Along the southern mountain wall, we are able to mine all the precious metals we need. Coplo provided us great plenty in those mountains. And while I have never been there, it is said that some of the best sculptors live by the mountains and create the greatest statues of Coplo and her guardians, that they are so perfect, so flawless, that one can almost see them move. Just to the north of those mountains and along most of the coasts, we get our lumber for ships, houses, even furniture, Winkett added, gesturing to a lumberyard just across the street. Between those and Kokuza's grace in, his, in invention, we have what we need, or can make it, or can hunt it, cultivate it, or fish it. Are there usually that many people around the minnow? Kome asked, interrupting. Winkett broke off from his lecture, focusing ahead. Indeed, his wife was correct. There were usually only a dozen or so wayward sailors, down on their luck, milling around the minnow's respite. But now there must have been over forty at least. Hey, that's the carriage that almost ran us over, Hendrick cried. That, Winkett said, pointing to an emblem on the carriage's side, is the carriage of the hand. The side was carved in relief, showing a fully opened hand, an image of Coplo speaking upon its palm. A little on the nose, isn't that? Akome asked, looking at the emblem. No one ever said that the church of Coplo was subtle, Winkett replied. He unhooked himself from Akome, pushing Hendrick close. You two hang back, please. Just in case. 
That way you're on the periphery. That is wise, Akome said, grasping Hendrick's shoulders. There he is, came a gruff voice from within the crowd. Winkett recognized the voice. It was the minnow's proprietor, Oonlong. This has been Chapter 7 Stroll of my latest book, Phonokinetics. This is Chris Reed's book. I'm Chris Pullman. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you enjoyed listening to this chapter, please subscribe to the channel wherever you found it so that you get the latest episode downloaded automatically. And if you're willing, please leave a rating and review to help others find this podcast. If you want to stay up to date with my current projects, please head over to narclaninc.com slash chrisreadsbook. That's N-A-R-C-L-A-N-I-N-C dot com slash chrisreadsbook. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to this episode. See you virtually in the next one. Until then, have a good day.